Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These... <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say? Uh, anything. It's a short answer. <laughs> so how many novels did you not finish? Oh my from? God, so many. <laughs> it was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. <laughs> this is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. <laughs> you heard it here first. We're going to Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. Today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Madeline Milburn Agency's very own senior literary agent, Hayley Steed. Hi Hayley. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for coming. How's how's everything in publishing at the moment? Uh, it's a bit mad. It's Frankfurt <laughs> Book Fair next week, so uh-huh. we're all running around like headless chickens, but it's also the best bit. So yeah, it's fun, but busy. It must be nice that events like Frankfurt can actually um, happen again and you can all go and, and be there in person. Yeah, definitely. I was talking to our, my rights colleague earlier um, who hasn't been, you know, since 2019. And yeah. she's, I think, st- still a little bit nervous, but she's she's very excited. So Madeline Milburn, you joined in 2016. Yeah. Was that as an agent? Like, did you go in as an agent? No, I went in as uh, Maddie's assistant. So there were only four of us at the company at the time. I was the fourth member of the agency, which now feels a bit mad because there's over 20 of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I went in as Maddie's assistant and just slowly kind of worked my way up as her associate and then agent and now, yeah, senior agent, which feels very formal. <laughs> but was that your, am I right in thinking you, you'd worked in publishing for a while before that? Um, I'd been in publishing like maybe two years before that. I, when I came out of uni, I worked a magazine for a bit and then I quit that to do the intern circuit. But I mean, that was still when everything was, was unpaid. So I had a lot of unpaid internships, slept on my aunt's floor in London. And then (laughs) I did an internship at Curtis Brown, which I really enjoyed, um, which was paid. And then, uh, from there I took a job in PR um, yeah. with a kind of uh, an agency so they worked lots of different publishers but still in books so I was there for about just over a year before I joined Maddie so not not a huge amount of time um, only kind of one full-time job before I joined here and that was the PR job yeah yeah which I, I really enjoyed actually I didn't think I, I always wanted to be an agent so I didn't think I would but I, I really enjoyed it uh yeah because I was going to ask did, did you always was it always the plan to be an agent always the plan yeah I read a Marion Keys book um, when I was a teenager that was called The Other Side of the Story and mm-hmm. the main character in it is a literary agent and I, I'd i never heard of it and read that and was like, that sounds like the best job ever and <laughs> that was it. <laughs> was it. Was that fiction? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talk about it all the time. And one day I will meet Marion and I will tell her and we'll, <laughs> hopefully we'll have a laugh because she's great. How, uh, how accurate was that depiction of a literary agent compared to the real life version? Um, I think in the book, the agent does like a, sorry, there's a dog barking here. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, the, the agent did, does like, immediately does like a seven figure deal. Um, so from my experience, it's not that accurate, <laughs> but it made it sound very glamorous. Oh, okay. That's great. Well, it sounds at least better than the, the depiction of agents and authors on most movies and television, which is always wildly inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about uh, your work as an agent, uh, what sort of books you are interested in, what you represent. It's the, the, the main thing is commercial and book club fiction. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And only adult, you don't do younger stuff. No, I don't do any younger stuff. I do do a bit of nonfiction as well. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's all on the adult side. So speaking from my own experience here, because when first approaching the publishing industry, there's so many moving parts and so many different pieces that that are just very hard to kind of categorize. And it can be very over- overwhelming when you when you come in thinking, oh, I've got a manuscript. Where do I send it? Who do I send it to? So my my question to you is, because I mean, I'm not, I've been in around the industry for a while now and I still don't fully know all of these definitions. How do you define commercial fiction that is a very very good question i mean (laughs) i i define commercial fiction as just books that sell and books that are good to read i think Mm -hmm. we tie ourselves up in these terms of commercial and literary and i think sometimes people think commercial fiction means it's not well written because literary fiction is the stuff that's all about the prose and you know the quality of writing but i mean my colleagues here i mean we're, we're on in general quite a commercial agency i would say and our writers are brilliant writers and the quality of their work is very high. And I don't think it's about, for me, commercial just means it's got a way in that is, you know, hooky and interesting and kind of that one line pitch that kind of draws readers attention in, whereas literary fiction is more thematic and perhaps feels a bit slower um, in the reading kind of process. And so I I think commercial just means for us, it can be, be mean like a very industry term, which means like it fits into a genre box. You know, you can sell right. it in a certain way, you can package it in a certain way. It has a certain type of cover that makes it look like slightly more like other things. Um, but, you know, I always come back to Sally Rooney's Normal People. And I'm like that. The reason for me that that brought in lots, lots more people is that there was a love story in there, which made it more commercial. It made it more accessible than All her right. other books that are maybe you know, more like wider thematically. Yeah. Whereas normal people, I think, really spoke to, you know, romance readers and women's mm-hmm. fiction mm-hmm. readers and that gave it so much more breadth. So I, I think commercial is a is a good term um, and doesn't, you know, we don't really need to box things either way. Yeah, so it's more about sort of mass appeal, like mass market appeal, a broader audience that, that you're able to reach as opposed to a lot of literary fiction targets are quite a niche group. Yeah, and I think it's like it's it's an it's more pitchable in that it's about a thing yeah. know, that's happening rather than about the the reading experience. So I think yeah, I always think about the books that you see in the supermarket that are packaged a certain way. You know mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. see it's clearly historical fiction, or you can see it's clearly a thriller. That's where we talk about kind of commercial because it is kind of speaking to a specific readership who want a certain thing from the thing that they're reading. Whereas literary can kind of just take you anyway and not really be about one specific thing 
yeah, it can be more conceptual or abstract or yeah, however it exactly. wants to be. And so on from that, how do you define book club fiction? Yeah, again, I, th- I think we just make <laughs> up terms in the industry to to please okay. ourselves. I think book club is kind of that in between where it sits along. I kind of think of it as like genre plus and it, it sits alongside a genre but is kind of doing something a little bit different or blending with another genre or has a kind of issue at its heart that it's more thematic. So, mm-hmm. you know, we we have a book here, uh, Ellen Oliphant is Completely Fine, which was considered book club fiction because it has a mystery element to it, it has a women's fiction element to it, but it, you know, it's very voice-driven. It's all about the character. It's about her kind of journey in her own life. Um and so that felt less commercial in that it wasn't, you know, a straight thriller. It wasn't straight crime. It wasn't a rom-com. But it was still, you know, it still had a plot. It still had an arc to it. It still had elements of those genres. Um, and encourages conversation, I think, is is the, the kind of real basis of book club fiction is, yeah, things that you can discuss in a reading group in a book club that you can kind of delve into the the kind of the depth and the intricacies of a character or um, a situation. And, and the same with, we've got a book here called The Push by Ashley Aldrain, which I think you can categorise as a thriller. It's it's kind of, we need to talk about Kevin-esque. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, has those kind of meteor topics about what it means to be a mother and and things that you can, you can talk about a bit more than just also being like a page turner with a great twist. Uh, okay. So book club fiction, based on what you're saying here, I would imagine is often also commercial fiction but with some kind of subversion or key uh sort of discussion point at its at its heart yeah that's how i would interpret it and sometimes i think it's helpful to think of it in terms of where you would find a book in that the kind of beautiful waterstones hardback that you would see is more often than not a book club novel you know that is if it has a very beautiful jacket and it has a very pitchable topic but also has kind of the the plus element of the genre, I suppose, yeah, that has that depth to it. Okay, great. That's useful. What do you th- so, Okay, so imagine that there's a, a lot of uh, budding writers who, who have got their manuscript and they're trying to figure out whether they should submit to you or not. How would What advice would you give them about deciding whether they have book club or commercial fiction that will, will apply to the sort of thing that you are looking for? I think the best thing to do is think about who your readership is. The comparison titles can be really useful for that because if you're comparing yourself to people, you know, like Lee Child, he's a commercial crime writer. You know, so it's it's sort of using those market comparisons and where you would see it can be really, really useful. I also wouldn't stress about it too much in that I, I think we get a lot of writers that pitch to us saying, oh, I'm, I've written this very literary novel and we kind of think, actually, I think this could be a really great book club novel. I think, you know, this is more commercial than maybe this author thinks. And sometimes people get a bit iffy about that. And I actually, again, it's like this commercial is not a bad word. We're yeah. just saying, actually, I can see a slightly different route to market for this. So I also wouldn't stress too much about those terms. And it's much more about finding an agent that you can kind of look at their wish list and say, oh, I think my book has elements of that. And, um, you know, their favorite books and think, oh, actually, mine is quite similar to that. And then, pitching it in I think it's helpful to know what you've written and that's you know about reading around and knowing your audience and kind of thinking right if it's like this author who is I can see is kind of positioned in a book club way or you know the Amazon category is x 
and that's like mine I think that can be that can be useful but I, I would always just give it a go anyway because I've got things on my list that are slightly more literary and my literary colleagues have things that are considered more commercial you know I think it's about stories and voices that speak to us and that we really enjoy and so it's not we don't again want to get too caught up in saying oh, I only do this thing um and missing out on something that we fall in love with yeah but that no that's that's a good way of looking at it it's that sort of tangible direction where if you're not sure if it does fit into a certain category figure out where figure out where your book would be on a shelf in in a bookshop and what would be next to it and where it was, yeah that's a that's a really good way of approaching it and i will add for for anyone listening who who's thinking about submitting to Haley, you can you can go to the Madeline Milburn website, head over to her profile, and there is a much more in-depth look at everything that she is interested in uh, and looking to add. So, so do go check that out. Now, let's talk about submissions. Uh, always interesting whenever I speak with agents on the podcast to see how they tackle submissions, because there's often a lot of um, differences in, in the sort of order and the weight with which they, they, they look at a submission. And mm. at Madeline Milburn, there's actually... I don't know if this is new or not, but there's a rather fancy form submission page on the website with drop-down selections and text boxes and everything. So uh, no excuses for authors getting the submission wrong because <laughs> it's very difficult to. Within that, um, it's a, it's it's the the pretty usual package for the industry: cover letter, synopsis, ten thousand words. Technical question before I get into the actual submission part, and this is more of personal curiosity. Because it's all through that sort of form, that portal form on the website. Does that come to you? Does it come through as like an email for you? Or, or is there a sort of big hub that you guys all log into? It comes through as an email, but to a central inbox. So the form oh, okay. is new. You've, yeah. you've spotted that. Um, and <laughs> the reason that we've done that is because we just have more agents here now. So mm-hmm. what that form does is that you have to, there's a drop down for which agent you want to submit to. And so what that does is just within this inbox that we have, um, it just slots it into a folder. So if you put my name, it will be slotted into my folder so I can log into there and read the ones that, you know, people have said to me specifically. Because before then, we only had a few agents, so it was quite easy for us to have them all in one place. Um, but with the expansion, we just kind of needed a way to to make sure that, you know, everything got read and nothing got lost. So that's that's what the form is for um it still comes through as an email for us but it's just like in a separate inbox because i think i'm i'm in awe of agents that let authors submit directly to their inbox because <laughs> our inbox is just crazy anyway and i just don't know how they can deal with the, the influx but um yeah i mean we log in every day and read them every day so yeah no i completely agree i was actually having this exact discussion with a friend of mine who's an author who was trying to reach her agent and she said yeah obviously agents are very busy and sometimes it can take you know a few days for the agent to get back to her. And I said, does your agent just out of interest, do they have a separate inbox for submissions and, you know, rest of work? <laughs> because it must be chaos. It, the amount of submissions that you get in, if it was all in one place. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how other agents do that. I mean, I guess it depends <laughs> on how many you're getting. And I know even some agents, even if it's their inbox, they'll have a, like a, uh, rule set up that it does file it into a, maybe oh, yeah. a reading inbox or something so there there are ways to get around that but um, yeah 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 but you guys are often and always inundated i'm sure with submissions we so, get a lot which is great do you know how many you get um i mean we used to say we got about a hundred a day which i think wow. is still true but i think that's across, across the whole the agency. agency so that's yeah. including two children's my agents and like six agents across 
is it six agents? I always lose track um, <laughs> across the adult side. So there are a lot of us. So it makes sense that there's a lot of submissions coming in. So in bet- we can split that between us quite easily. Okay. So when you do open up um, your submissions, uh, what order do you go through each part? And, and what are the key things that you're looking for within each piece? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, I always look at the covering letter first, which I think is probably obvious because that's in the email body. Yeah. <laughs> but I, because I'm a, I'm an agent of, you know, have like things that are commercial. I'm looking for a one-line pitch, which I think you can often, I think most of the things that I've signed, I've known from the letter, I'm excited. So we read absolutely everything that comes in. And yes, there will be things that surprise me as I open them. But I think because of the kind of fiction I represent, if it comes in and it's got a really brilliant one-line pitch or a really brilliant question at the heart of it, that's already got me interested. And then I'll go read the material. So the kind of opening 10,000 or three chapters, um, I'll read that. And if I like that, then I read the synopsis um, to find out kind of where the book goes from there and that, that you know, it doesn't go on a, a strange tangent or, um, you know, suddenly go to space or something if it's meant to be women's fiction. Um and then if I if I like everything, then then that's when I would email the author and, and call it in. Um, I sometimes I don't read the synopsis if it's a thriller because I quite like to know to read the twist myself because I think so much of a reading experience of a thriller is you know the journey to you know where you want to get and if if you're going to guess it. And so I think if I know what the twist is, then I'm reading almost looking for it and thinking oh that that feels quite obvious but of course it's obvious if you know so yeah sometimes I, I won't read the twist but I think it's you know we still ask for a synopsis that includes it so we can check um, yeah just in case you don't want yeah. aliens turning up in your in your historical fiction novel. no preferably yeah. not <laughs> that's interesting are, are there any um are there any things that you think really make a cover letter stand out I for me is that kind of the the hook of the of the story so and, and by that I mean kind of the, the point of difference so it's sometimes a question of a, of a what if like what if you're in this situation or it's a specific you know inciting incident like a setup of a story that is really interesting um or you know the theme that it's exploring that I think is really interesting or yeah. a certain time period so that that for me and and I think we're as an agency we ask for a one-line pitch which I don't not every agency does I don't think many do so that is part of a covering letter that we've set up specifically so we can see how people are pitching their work um but I I think you know again covering letters I think writers sometimes really wrap themselves up in writing the perfect covering letter and I think as long as you know what you're writing who it appeals to and what your book is offering that's all you really need in there and you know a little bit about you is great too if, if it's kind of supporting that but I I wouldn't stress too much about perfecting every line or, you know, I think if you can just introduce it, tell us kind of what the genre is or what, you know, where it sits in the market and give us a brief pitch of what you think your book is doing that would appeal to that market. And that feels, you know, is maybe doing something a little bit different or a little bit new. 
that's all we really need Um, because we read everything that comes in as well so if your covering letter is kind of you know maybe not representing your work in the very very best way we are still going to go and read that material anyway we don't write it off at the covering letter so it's not something to kind of really you know lose sleep over yes yeah yeah, yeah. i also noticed that in your submission guidelines you recommend putting some comparison titles in with the with the with the cover letter what sort of i know that there's often comparisons that some agents are don't find helpful and like what sort of comparisons do you think are the the most useful ones like if that if that means necessarily not a book in some cases yeah i'm very happy to have have things that aren't books i think the most useful things are books that feel recent i think if you're comparing yourself to like austin or roald dahl there's a question for us i mean maybe roald dahl less because that's more of a tone maybe but i think you want to be comparing to books that have done well in the last kind of three years, preferably because, and I think if you can't find a comparison title for your work, that to me would be a little bit of a concern because that to me suggests that there's not a readership there. You know, I often get submissions saying, Oh, there's nothing else like this. And I'm like, well, there could be a reason for that. And that maybe (laughs) there's not a demand there, which is always not, it doesn't mean it's not a good book and it doesn't mean that it's not interesting. It's just, if a retailer can't, you know, if a bookshop can't sell that to, to a customer, then we can't sell it to a publisher because that's what they're thinking about. So I think, yeah, things that feel recent, um, things that just feel representative of what your book is doing. We often get books that are kind of like, it's like this TV show. And I think there's so much crossover now. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that really useful. You know, I sold a book recently and compared it to Mayor of Easttown because that's what it felt like to me. And that really, uh, yeah. you know, hooked editors in because everyone had watched it and really enjoyed it, at least, you know, within publishing so i think that could be useful and also not stressing about something that feels exactly like it you don't want something exactly like it but i think if you can say it would sit alongside you know people that enjoyed this book would enjoy my book um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the thing to think about and books that maybe have similar themes or a similar genre similar in tone you know books can be similar in so many different ways it's not about that them being similar stories maybe but just kind of you know if you're writing something that's a character journey of you know one person figuring their life out you might compare to Ellen Oliphant even if it's a male protagonist in a completely different setting because the experience of reading is going to feel similar and you might appeal to the same readership so it's I again it's it's something it's more about the feel of the book and what that book is is yeah who it's appealing to than it needing to be word for word you know the same but very happy for it to be cross media and anything or you know that's yeah that's really useful i guess it also shows that the 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 author has a, a knowledge of the market and they've they've kind of looked into what is selling and you know the kind of stories that people are telling in that area yeah i think reading around is the best thing you can do as a writer because you see what other people are doing you see what's working you see what's been done you see how people write that type of genre and you can apply it to your own work and just immerse yourself in in other stories, I think is the best way to know to know that that audience is there. I mean, we get I know my children's colleagues, my children's agent colleagues will get submissions that say, Well, I've I haven't read a children's book since I was a child, but here's mine. And I think, how can you possibly know what children are reading right now if you're not going into bookshops and reading those books? So it's really important to know what what's reading uh what people are reading and what's working 
Yeah, that's really, really good advice um, for anyone thinking about trying to fit their work into uh, into a submission package at the moment. So we're approaching the end of 2022. You are open to submissions. Is there anything in particular that you'd love to add to your list? Oh, it's a very good question. I mean, I would say I'm always very open to being surprised. I sometimes don't know what I want until it lands, which I appreciate is very unhelpful for people submitting to me. <laughs> that's I the think joy the, of the profession though, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. that's why we all do it is for that discovering moment where you feel like you found the next big thing. Um, <laughs> I have been for a while really keen to find it like a big love story. Um, I think, you know, something like the English patient, you know, one day those big epic stories that kind of stay with you and have that slight point of difference um, in how they're told. I'd love something like that. Um, I'm also really looking for a lot of dark stuff. I think a lot of my list is uh, women's fiction, although that as a genre I think is really broad and includes so many things. Um, But I don't represent many uh, thriller writers at the moment and I'd really love to find more. Um, You know, I really loved Girl A, uh, for example, and I loved The Push, which is one of our books, but not one of mine, one of my colleagues' books books that feel kind of um, they've got a thriller angle to them in the suspense and the tension, but are also looking at something a bit darker and a bit deeper, you know, something a bit more thematic and emotional. Maybe I'm kind of always drawn in by a character and and their internal conflict than I am by a serial killer. Um, (laughs) I love things that are kind of about toxic friendships or toxic relationships, you know, dynamics between people, because I think human nature is the most interesting thing about about these books so something like that would be great but i'm i'm really open to to anything at the moment okay cool that that's i mean that's a lot for people to work with uh, if they are great. thinking about submitting to you so <laughs> good stuff and before we get on to the final question uh always a fun one to ask agents is uh have you ever wanted to write yourself i did when i was younger um uh-huh. and now i can't believe people do it i i think it's <laughs> I think it's incredible that people have the dedication to sit down and write a full novel. They're, they're really long. Yeah. Um, I think there's lots of us that write kind of 10, 20,000 words and then think, oh, I don't know where to go next. So mm. I'm, I'm definitely happy this side of the fence. I think any ideas that I have for books, I tend to just feed to someone who I know will do a better job with it than I would if I tried to write it. And <laughs> I, I simply wouldn't have the time. So yeah, yeah, it's it's not something I'm planning on anytime soon, for sure. Okay. But maybe one day, never say never. I'd never say never. No. Yeah. Are you quite editorial with your, uh, with your authors? I am. Yeah. I think as an agency, we are, we, mm-hmm. we tend to do quite a bit of work before a book goes in submission. I think just to make sure it gets, you know, the most offers and the most interest it can and give you know, that author, the chance to work with the absolute perfect publisher and editor by having a bit of a choice. So we are quite hands-on, um, but I think for, for good reasons. Yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. Well, that does bring us to the often dreaded final question, which is, Hayley, if you were stranded on a desert island, but could take a single book with you, which book would it be? I really tormented over this and I I always come back to the same book and the author knows because I worked with her years back and she knows I love her. Um, oh. It's a book called The Chocolate Run by Dorothy Coopson, mm. um, which I read every year and I just love it. Um, so I would Amazing. I would have to pick that one because it's my, it's my comfort blanket. And there's so many other books I love, but that's the one that I 
I always read over and over again. My copy is very battered. So yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's that's that you have like a personal connection as well to the author is uh, is so nice. Adds an extra. Oh, I hunted her down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was determined to find her when I worked in publishing. So yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that's a, a great choice. Uh, I, I really like that. I'll have to check it out sometime. Well, thank you so much, Haley, for for coming on the the podcast and sharing your experience and your and your knowledge of of publishing and everything that's going on with you. It's been amazing chatting. Thank you. No, it's been great. And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Haley's doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Haley Emma Steed. Uh, and if you're thinking about submitting, I'll say it again, I already said it once, head over to the Madeline Milburn website. There's profiles on all of the agents, including Haley, uh, and all of the guidelines for submission very clearly laid out with a nice shiny form to make it super simple for you. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram and TikTok at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again to Haley and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record and download your podcast with and it even has a built-in transcription AI. It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show and we'll see you in the next episode.